You're listening to How She Creates. I'm your host, Lauren Hooper. This podcast is for the curious, the wanderer and the wanderers, the playful and the joyful. Every week, we're going to explore how to design a life full of creativity and whimsy. Now let's get curious and go explore something. Hi, friend. Are you completely tired of 2020? Are you so overwhelmed, so lonely, so just like panicked and just constantly feeling that pull of uncertainty? And is your creativity really uninspired? What if you could slow down and revel in joy and beauty? What if instead of all of that uncertainty, you had time for yourself each day that restored and replenished you? What if you had a joy book to remind you of the beauty in your life? What if instead of all the doomsday scrolling, you had a way to contribute gratitude and beauty to the world? If that sounds like something that you want, I want to invite you to join my course, Stories from Here, Ordinary Gratitude. If you've been here a while, you know about my course, Stories from Here. It is one of my very favorite things I've ever created. It's all about storytelling through your photography and writing. And I have created a new special version that's going to run in November. And it is called Ordinary Gratitude. So every day in November, I'm going to send you a prompt. And it is going to encourage you to look around your life, your home, your room, the space that you're in. And see it with fresh eyes and capture it in a really beautiful way using only your phone. And then we are going to edit these photos so beautifully. I'm going to teach you how to be a professional phone photographer so that all of your photos come out so beautiful. And that you know how to fix any issues you have with them. And then I'm going to encourage you to write the story of gratitude for the day of why this thing brings you so much joy. We're going to search for the places in our home and in our lives that are bringing us joy and comfort and beauty. And we're going to find things that you may have had for a really long time or things that you totally overlook or things you take for granted. And we are going to shine a light on them and practice being really grateful for them. And so if that sounds like something that you would love to do, I would love to invite you to join me in stories from here ordinary gratitude you can join today at lauren-likes.com backslash gratitude and you can learn all about the course there and if you join today you can use the code how she creates to get 10 percent off of the course and the course closes on October 22nd because we're going to kind of get started with our pre-work and planning our project and wrapping our heads around everything that we're going to do start learning that last week of October and then on November 1st we're going to jump in and tell our first story together this course is going to be run live so that means you're going to have access to me for six weeks of the course I'm going to be showing up and doing some live teaching some Q&A some check-ins going to provide some accountability and goal setting for you so that you actually finish this class because I know so many times we take classes and then never open them or don't finish them. So I want you to do that with me and we're going to all be doing this live together with a private community 
And then at the end, I am going to teach you how to turn all of your stories and photos into a joy book using literal hashtag magic. It is going to be really fun and really easy. And you are going to be able to take these beautiful photos that you've taken of your home and your life right now and turn them into a really simple photo album with the literal click of a button. I can't wait to tell you all about it. And I can't wait to get started. This is going to be the last round of stories from here I do for the year. And this is the last one I have planned for the foreseeable future. So we'll see um, when another one comes around. So if you've been wanting to learn photography and storytelling from me, this is your chance to do it. Again, lauren-likes.com backslash gratitude. And I have a free challenge for you also that I will link in the show notes. So if you just go to lauren-likes.com backslash free webinar, uh, you are going to get access to a hour long photo and photo photography and editing and writing um, teaching. And you will get a free three day challenge to start practicing this gratitude practice right now. Um, And I can't wait to see what you're going to do with all of this. But again, I hope you join me in the full class registration closes October 27 22nd. And again, that is lauren-likes.com backslash gratitude or if you just swipe up on the app you're listening to you'll be able to get all of these links directly so now let's jump into today's story hello friends welcome back to how she creates i can't believe it's been so long since we have chatted so much has happened um i don't need to tell you what's happening in the world but also i'm going to tell you some more about it because today i have got a big story to tell you. I am finally back. I'm finally wrapped my mind around this whole moving countries during a pandemic thing. And I'm ready to share the story of what it was like. I have gotten so many questions about this. Everyone we see, everyone we meet has just, their like mind is just blown that we moved countries during pandemic and It was not easy. It was not fun, but we are very, very grateful that we did it. And we're very glad to be where where we are today. And so I'm going to tell you all about that today. So just first, I just want to thank you so much for being here and for hanging out with me every week. And I hope you're excited that new episodes are coming your way. I've got interviews lined up. I've got some more teaching I want to do. And I just wanted to start jump re you know kind of jump start this season back off again with sharing what's been going on um in our life and and what it has looked like to do this major life transition and share some of the things that we've learned and what's going on with our creativity and all of those good things because you know they're all interrelated so you know moving has a lot to do with your creativity. You know, a global pandemic, it's going to affect your creativity in really big ways. So if you've been struggling this past few months, I am so sorry. I have not been here alongside you. I hope you've been hanging out with me on Instagram at Lauren likes blog so that we can keep creating and doing fun things together over there. But I'm here now. And I just want to remind you that if you have been feeling so overwhelmed, so bummed out, you can't quite get it together and create something, that's fine. I haven't been able to work on this podcast. It's just been so much going on. And our creativity goes in ebbs and flows in all of life, and especially in really big, overwhelming transition times like this. Um, so let's let's get started. So let's talk about what's been happening. and. To tell you the whole full story, 
of what it was like to move countries in a pandemic, let me just back up a little bit and give you backstory if you don't know what in the world I am talking about or even who I am. If this is your first episode, I'm so glad you're here. So we celebrated our 10-year wedding anniversary this summer. Isn't that crazy? I can't believe it's been that long. So we've been together for 12 years. And separately, before we even knew each other, we both knew we wanted to live overseas. And then in our first year of marriage, we had the conversation that we wanted to live overseas. We didn't really know what that was going to look like, but we knew that we were open to that and it's what we wanted and we were going to work towards that. And so our life in the U.S., we never bought anything. We always kind of lived as scrappy as possible. And we just always had our eyes and ears open for what that possibility would look like for us. And Terrell, my husband, came across a blog. He is a music teacher and he found a blog post by this guy who was teaching music at an international school overseas. We had no idea that those existed. And so we started looking into it and we realized that there are international schools all over the world that are teaching U.S. curriculums in English to the expat communities. And so those are people who have moved abroad for their business or to be missionaries or just because, and they want their kids to go to you know, the school, same kind of school they would go to back home, or maybe there were locals who would like their kids to get an English U.S. education. And these schools are huge. I mean, they have thousands of students. They're literally all over the world. We had like, I can't even tell you how many hundreds of them were in Korea, the first place we taught. So they're, they're a big deal. They're everywhere if you don't know about them. But we decided to go to a job fair and we found a job teaching at an international school in Korea in Seoul and my husband was teaching music and I was the elementary school counselor and we were there for three years and we loved it so so much but at the end of the three years we both were at a big career transition he had finished his doctorate he was ready to start teaching or go back to teaching university I had started this online creative business and it was taking up so much of my time all of my evenings all of my weekends and I was ready to give it a shot and see you know what I could do with it if I was with it full time. And I kind of had to make a choice. So it was the perfect timing. We decided we were both, we were going to leave Korea. We're going to leave our school we were at and we were going to pursue these new careers. And we put in our resignations in like October. You have to tell them really soon because it takes a while to find someone who can, you know, move to Korea. And so we put in our resignations in October and we obviously finished out the school year and we just spent that year applying well he did he applied around and I actually found through the magic of Google I found a job at an American university in the Middle East doing almost his exact same job that he had been doing at UGA when we were still in the States so he applied. They flew us to Sharjah, which is right outside of Dubai in the Middle East in the United Arab Emirates uh, for a long weekend in March. And we had this like whirlwind weekend. It was so much fun. We went and saw the Burj. We went to the aquarium inside the mall. We went to the beach. It was just amazing. And we were totally smitten. And he got the job offer, but not until like April. Like it took a long time. Like we truly didn't know what we were going to be doing. And that has definitely been a theme of our life for sure is just taking a leap, knowing there was something out there we wanted and just having to wait 
to figure out what's actually going to happen. And it tends to not let us know what's going to happen until the last minute. And so we ended up moving to the Middle East and we were there for a year. He had a one-year contract. And during that year, he reapplied for his same current job he was doing to be put on a three-year contract. And we lived there for the year. We were just in a weird transition state still because it was somewhere brand new. We were both in brand new jobs and we didn't know if we were staying. You know, we didn't really know what was going to happen, but we were hoping we're putting all our eggs in this basket that we were going to stay. And by the end of that year, he got the job and we decided we were going to stay. And around the end of the school year came up and I was like, Terrell, I don't like living here. I don't want to keep doing this. And he was like, you know, it's not my most favorite either. But we don't have anywhere else to go. So we're like, okay, we're going to we're going to do this. We're going to figure this out. So we stay for another year. And well, first we go home for the summer. And we just have this amazing time. We travel, we see our family, and then we start missing the Middle East. We start missing our apartment there in our home. So we're like, okay, we were just tired, you know, and we just needed a little break. And, you know, now we're ready to go back and like start over again. And so we get back and we're like, woohoo, you know, like our pool every day and, you know, all these like fun things that we can do here. And then like that, that just uncertainty and that discomfort. Those aren't even the best words for it. That just, I don't know. It just, we were just never quite settled. Those, that feeling started creeping back in again. And it came up to the end of the school year again. And we were like, dang, we don't want to do this again. And so Terrell actually starts applying for jobs at the very end of the school year. And it doesn't work out. And we're really glad because we're like, this would have been just a crazy mess. But we're like, now we know. Now we know that, you know, the new and the shiny wears off and we realize the things that we're missing here and that we really want and we need to go find those somewhere else. So we make the decision, okay, we're going to do one more year and we're going to know that it's our last year and we're going to work really hard to leave from the beginning of the year. You know, we're going to find something else to do. And that is one of the biggest questions that I get when we say we moved, they're like, people are like, oh, you moved because of the pandemic or you just moved like during the pandemic or like what, what happened? You know, we had made this decision a year ago, so long ago, over a year ago, we decided that this was going to be our last year in the Middle East. And we didn't know what we were going to do, but we knew that there was something else out there for us and that this was not it. Um, so again, early on the beginning of the year in like October, Terrell gives his resignation. And at this point I had also changed my business in a huge, huge way. Um, and I had sold the last business I was working on and I started radiant art retreats. And so I was planning for 2020 to be the year of the art retreat. I have four retreats planned in three different countries. It was going to be amazing. Um, I had already sold spots. I'd already reserved um, locations. Everything was working out. It was looking, 2020 was looking out to be a good year. And Terrell was applying for jobs and we were open to living anywhere. This was the first time though in six years 
that we had been open to the idea of going back to the U.S. Like I said, we had just this just weird feeling the whole time we were there. And we wanted some more consistency and some more stability and um, a little more mm, freedom. We wanted some more connection, things that we weren't really experiencing there. Um, And so the U.S. offered a lot of those things. And so we were open to that for the very first time. And but Tara was still applying to jobs all over the world, all over the U.S., all over the world. And we were just making our plans. You know, we were getting ready to leave. We were selling our stuff, packing up. We had told everyone. And my parents came to visit in February. They came you know, to explore and have fun. And they came because Terrell had a piano concert that he was going to be giving. And this was about February. We had been hearing about coronavirus happening in Asia and some European countries. And, you know, we were, we were looking at it, you know, we were for sure aware that it was happening. Um, I would say that we were more aware than the U S was because we were a little closer to those countries um, where it was happening. We had a lot of people coming in and out and, you know, we saw the cases starting to spread and we started seeing people wearing masks more frequently. Um, no one was really worried quite yet, but as we were touring around with my parents, we were going to big tourist places and we started to get a little uncomfortable. You know, we started to be more aware of what was happening, how it was spreading these big groups and big gatherings and things. And, um, stuff was starting to shut down and get, or just getting canceled. People were just getting nervous and worried. And we went to, um, this like global market with my parents and there was just no one there. And the guys who were working, you know, at all the different booths were telling us that, oh yeah, like business has just completely stopped. And we think we might even have to shut down early. And So it was really nerve wracking and it was the first time we were like super aware that something was really happening was in February and sure enough, my parents got out at just the right time. They left and everything just shut down. Terrell's concert, so they were there for Terrell's concert and he got a call that the concert was going to have to be canceled. Thankfully, we were, he was able to do a dress rehearsal. So there was about four of us in the audience and he, we were, my parents were able to see his concert, but the concert got canceled on Tuesday and on Thursday he was in a virtual teaching seminar for the professors to learn how to teach online. And we started to realize like it's getting really real. And then of course, by that Monday, class was canceled. My parents had gotten on a plane, you know, at just the right time, everything in the country shut down, just everything stopped. And I was so grateful that my parents had come at that time because we were able to do a lot of tourist things and, and go to a lot of places that we loved one last time. And we had no idea that, you know, we were planning to stay until like May or June. And we didn't realize in February, that was the last time we were going to see all of these places. And so it was really a blessing for us that we kind of got to say goodbye and experience some of the things we loved there one last time. And that my parents got to see where we lived, but that didn't change our plans at all. We were still planning on 
leaving at the end of, you know, the school year and moving. But as you can imagine, those next few months, we were both working from home together. Terrell was applying and interviewing at jobs and he just started getting emails. You know, he's a, he's a choral teacher. That's not something that's super safe. And so amidst everything shutting down and, you know, it was like that, it's like a domino effect. Like we shut down and the countries around us did. And then the U S started shutting down and, um, it just took over the whole world and we, we were watching it and he started getting emails saying, we're putting the hiring process on hold. We're not sure what we're going to do with the program right now. We, you know, we're, we're on virtual school, so we're not, we're not hiring right now. And, and, and things just started to close down in ways that we hadn't expected for his specific um, job area. And his school they was teaching at until the week we left was like, stay, just stay. You can stay, you can stay. And we looked at all the possibilities of what it would be like to stay. If we stayed another semester, another year, could he just, could we move home and teach online and all of these things. And a lot of things became abundantly clear to us in that lockdown time was it truly was where we lived that was really, really hurting our joy and our ability to be connected to the world because we lived over an hour away from anything. And all of our friends were so far away. And our community, our campus that we lived on, did not really have a big sense of community. And so people had bolted, you know, all the kids had gone home. A lot of the professors have had left when they were still allowing flights out of the country. And so there were just a few of us left there. And then of course, we were all scared and we we're supposed to be quarantining. And so it was just shockingly illuminating. All the things that we had felt were really highlighted in this time for us, as I know they have been for so many people. I've heard so many stories of people deciding to move because they realized, like, we want to be near our families or we want to be, you know, out where we have more space. And um, it's and it was so true for us, too. And so it really, really cemented in this was the right decision for us, even though we clearly had no idea what was about to happen. And we spent those next three, four months just grieving and being confused and trying to figure things out like everyone else. You know, we had to cancel tons of travel. You know, we were going to go out with a bang and go do all of this stuff. And I was supposed to go and work with a fair trade program. I was supposed to have all these retreats. And slowly I started having to send out refunds and get refunds and realize that big plans that we had for 2020 were just not going to happen. And we spent those few months just hanging out inside our apartment. We're so glad we have that cute little puppy because he just brought us so much joy and kept us, you know, going outside and going for walks and playing and doing things. And our schedule got so turned upside down. Because we were both working from home, you know, and we could kind of work any times that we wanted. And so we were just sleeping all day and working all night and working all the time. Because at first we thought, oh, you know, it's just a few weeks. We're going to be closed down. And if we work extra hard, then we will have all this, you know, stuff kind of pre-done. And then we can go do other fun things. And, you know, we ended up putting a lot of work into stuff that obviously never panned out. And 
getting really burnt out and overwhelmed, but it was just a coping mechanism we were using at the time to deal with all the uncertainty and the confusion. And we slowly started to come to the realization that we might not have a job. Terrell might not have a job lined up for when we moved, but we knew moving was the right choice for us. We didn't know when that was going to happen, obviously. Um, so we just were waiting. So we, we passed those few months of, you know, finishing out teaching, finishing out all the, the duties he had to the university. And then we got to that last month of May and we were like, well, we're supposed to be leaving soon. All the flights were completely canceled. No flights in or out of the country whatsoever for anyone going anywhere. Um, Terrell still didn't have a job. And so we just kind of started looking around and we were like, well, I guess we should start packing and we'll just be ready when things open up. And so we started the very overwhelming process of trying to deal with our stuff amidst a pandemic. And living overseas is is really, it's not the same as when you move, you know, house to house in the same country. We had to sort things out between what was ours and what we would be shipping with a shipping company that would come and put put all our stuff on a boat and send it to where we were going. We had to have stuff to live on because the boat takes like four to eight weeks or more to get your stuff. So, you know, we had to have like in-between stuff. And then we had stuff that the school had provided us that we had to leave. And then, you know, we had the stuff that we just couldn't bring back. And so we had to deal with it. So thankfully, we had made, we made a big spreadsheet and we sent it out to the, to the campus faculty and people bought all of our big furniture and stuff. So that was really nice and really kind of easy to deal with. And then I set up no contact yard sales and I set everything out on our front porch and I put them like in pricing sections and I put a jar out there and put a Facebook post up that you know the people who lived on campus could come by and buy stuff and they did and it cleared out all of our stuff and so it worked out really really well and we just kind of lived in absolute chaos for weeks um we also Terrell got an Instagram ad for um a table ping pong set that we bought and it was like our lifesaver we played ping pong all night every single day because our house was completely empty. We didn't have anything else to do. We couldn't leave and go anywhere. It was starting to get so hot. I mean, we're in the Middle East. It gets like 120 degrees in the summer. So it started out really, really nice and got insanely hot. Like we couldn't even walk at night. It was so hot. So ping pong, table ping pong really saved us at that time. Um, I know our neighbors hated us, but we were just all doing, well, you know, the best we could to get by. Um, and so. Finally, we had to make a choice of where we were going and what we were going to do. So we have loved Asheville, North Carolina forever. It is an amazing, amazing place. We've actually tried to buy like a summer home here, but because of our international finances, it was really confusing and not worth our time and energy at that time. And so we've just always known this is where we wanted to be at some point in some way and we had spent our summers here and we just loved it and it's two hours from where my parents live and it's two hours from where Terrell's parents live and so we just decided 
if we can't find a job, that's just our backup plan. We're just going to move to Asheville and we're going to figure out, figure it out. If we have to work at Trader Joe's, that's what we'll do. And, um, so we finally made the decision that we were leaving and we needed to start shipping our stuff. And so things were slowly coming available we could see that flights, there were one, there was one flight a week that was starting to open up near the end of May. And so we were like, okay, we think we can get one of those flights. And we had a shipping company come and we just gave them my grandma's address. And we were like, just send the stuff to her house. We'll figure it out from there. So we had all of our stuff gone. And now we're sitting in this completely empty apartment with nowhere to really go. No stuff. And no plan to leave. We probably spent over a week, all day, every day, all night, all day and all night on the phone with the airlines because you couldn't buy tickets online. Um, We figured that out really, really quickly that there were, you know, those like cheap travel sites that were selling tickets and even some of the airline websites were selling tickets, but they weren't true. We thought we had found the perfect flight plan with Turkish Air and we called and they said, we have no idea what you're talking about. We are not flying at all. We have no flights. And so we just went around and around and around and around like that with the airlines for over a week. And then, of course, to top it off, we couldn't just be normal. We had to figure out how to get our dog back with us. Laszlo, you know, what are we going to do with him? Because you cannot fly dogs in and out of the UAE on the flight with you, like in the cabin. They have to fly underneath. And we really did not want him to do that, but we didn't have a choice. It is like a country policy. The only animal you can fly on an airplane is a falcon. And he is not a falcon. He does look like a little muppet or a cricket, but he is not a falcon. And so we were just trying all these elaborate flight plans because the flight, if we took a direct flight, it was too long for him to fly underneath the plane. And so we ended up figuring out that we could buy these one-way tickets, which turned into a colossal mess, which we'll get into. We bought one-way tickets from here, to from the UAE to Germany. And he would fly underneath the plane from there. And then we would go through security, we would get our bags, we would get our puppy, and we would get back into the airport. We would have a 24-hour layover where we would live in the airport because you couldn't go into the country. And the airport, the hotel was completely booked and insanely expensive. And then he would fly with us in the cabin the rest of the way from Germany to the U.S. Well, that seemed like the perfect plan. And it kind of was. So we spend just endless time you guys it was I can't explain the paperwork to get you know all of our visa stuff done and all of our shipping done and then we had to start taking this dog to the vet we had to take him to three different government offices two different times to get the official documentation he needed to leave the country um he had to have documents to come to the U.S. he had to have documents because we were flying through Europe. Um, he also, I don't know if you know the story of how we came about having him. We got a little catfished and, um, he, all of his 
original paperwork we got with him was false and not true. He was very sick when we got him. He was only about a month old, even though they told us he was four months old and all of this kind of stuff. It was just a mess. And so we had to maybe make up a little bit of his documentation that he needed um, to prove that, you know, he was like, had everything he needed. He does. But it was just, um, it was a long, confusing process. And there was a lot of going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And we were down to the wire to crunch time. Thankfully, we got all the paperwork we needed. We got on the flight with him. He did amazing on the flight. I was a nervous wreck. I was so worried about him under the plane. Um, And he was only supposed to be under there for like six or seven hours and ended up being 12 because when we got to Germany, German, the German, you know, airport was just shuffling us through to our next flight because we weren't German citizens. So we couldn't come into the country. And I ended up with a police escort, FaceTiming police officers, trying to figure out how to get this dog because he is sitting down at baggage claim all by himself, waiting on us to come get him. So we go and we think that we can just, you know, pop out, grab our bags, grab him and come back. And we had also packed to where we the stuff we needed was in those bags. And because the airlines had changed all of their baggage policy. So now not only are we dealing with all this drama, but you can't take carry-ons. You can only take one bag and it has to be under a certain weight limit that's lower than normal. And but then the other airlines have different policies. It was real confusing, you guys. Um, okay, so we get out of the plane, we try and go through security, Germany won't let us. So I ended up in in the police department, like the airport police, and we'd go round and round and round and round and round. And finally he walks one of the police officers walks me through security, lets me out, tells me go get the dog and come right back and gives me his phone number. So I go down through security, find the poor sweet puppy who's doing fantastic. And we go back upstairs and the gate attendant won't let me back in because surprise, I don't have a ticket. I don't have a flight for another day. And he doesn't know how I got into Germany and where I got this dog. So I end up FaceTiming with the German police officer. They're screaming at each other in German over over my FaceTime and he still will not let me through. So the police officer has to come out and get me and bring me back through security again with the dog. And finally, we are all reunited. Also, I have no idea where my bags are at this point. I have called all of the baggage people also telling them that I was supposed to be able to get my bags, but I couldn't because of all this mess. And they say they're going to send somebody to go find our bags and take them to another airline for us because it's this 24-hour layover and they're one-way tickets. And it is very complicated. We spend 24 hours hanging out with our pup in the Frankfurt airport. It is like a ghost town. And so was the Dubai airport. Everything is taped off. Everything is closed. Everything's like saran wrapped up. You can't touch anything. There's no food. There's no souvenirs. There's no one. There is like three flights going in and out of all these airports once a day. There are no people working any of the desks. So it's impossible to get help for all of this drama that we're encountering. I mean, it was so post-apocalyptic. And of course, we're wearing masks and we're like bathing in hand sanitizer. And 
it is terrifying. I mean, it really is. I remember when we were first going out in Dubai, once everything was closed and everything was like for real, real shut down and you weren't allowed to go out. You weren't even allowed to walk in on the street. If you opened your front door in Dubai and in certain places in the UAE, the police would be there. Like they were not kidding about this lockdown. You had to have permits to go to the grocery store. Only one person could go from the government. And I just remember the fear that it was creating in me of every time I went to the grocery store and saw people, I was just terrified. And I knew that that was not healthy and that that was not like helping things, but it is so scary and overwhelming. And so it was, it was just so overwhelming to be in this airport with people with this, you know, deadly virus floating around everywhere. We still didn't have a ton of information about it, you know, and how it worked and what was happening at that time. And it was just all so, so fearful. And we, but thankfully the airports were so empty and it just looked like people had just been living there though. The people that were there were there. They were stuck there. They were waiting on flights that were days away. So we went down, we found an entire airport gate. Like you guys know how big those are. They hold hundreds of people. Entire terminals of the airport were empty. So we found our own gate and we set up camp. We thankfully we had, we had Lazo's crate. We had a backpack of, you know, barely anything. And we literally slept on the benches, let Laszlo out to play. Oh my goodness, you guys, everyone was freaking out, asking me so many questions about where the dog was going to go to the bathroom at the airport. Um, So thankfully, we had trained him to use puppy pads. He knew, like, to use them. So we had a bunch of puppy pads and, you know, sometimes we just had to put them down in the airport. We normally took him to the bathroom with us to use them and he did fantastic. We didn't have any issues. Um people were very confused and very concerned about that, but I had, you know, his food in my bag and so we were able to make it and we just slept on the benches and until our flight the next day. And our flight from Germany to America, we flew, I want to say we flew American Airlines, and it must have been a new plane. It was awesome. It was like one of the nicest planes. And Laszlo had his own seat because of social distancing. The seat in between Terrell and I was empty. And he just laid down and slept almost all of the flight. He was so good. He did such a good job. And then we flew into Washington, D.C. And we were the only flight coming in that day. The guy, the guy who's working there, he's like, y'all are the only people here today. And um, they had us all crammed into this one little terminal. Okay, well, first they go through. I don't remember. I feel like maybe they took our temperature. They took down our information and they gave us a pamphlet that said to social distance and maybe, maybe quarantine if we could. It was very unclear. They were clearly like, no one ever asked us where we were going, where we were staying. No one ever checked in on us. Um, yep. So we, so then they had us all in one gate and it was very crowded. That was very overwhelming for, to be around that many people in this you know, traumatic time that we're not supposed to be near people. And Laszlo was wigging out. He did not know what was happening. And we, so we had a tiny flight from DC to Charlotte, which was our final destination. There was like, I think the only reason the plane was technically distanced was because they 
had enough open seats. So Terrell and I obviously were sitting together, but yeah, I mean, it was, I was very unimpressed at that point with um, what was happening on flights within the U.S. It was, it was scary. I mean, it was, and thankfully that was only an hour flight. And also at that point I hadn't slept in what, 72 hours and I was pretty miserable and thankfully we landed in Charlotte we oh before we left the lady came on and told us oh we we know where your bags are but they're not gonna make it on the flight so of course now everything we own we have no idea where it is so we have we get I think we get two bags when we get to Charlotte we have the dog it's really all that matters you know and we're going home to see like we were staying my parents had set up their camper and their yard for us so that we can distance and quarantine in there um so my sister brought me a bunch of clothes that I could wear while we were um clothingless and stuffless um and then two days later we our apartment in Asheville was open and ready for us. So we had decided we don't know where we're going. We don't know what's going to happen, but we want to be in Asheville. So we rented an apartment sight unseen. Um, We had lived, like I said, we had spent our summers here. So we'd lived in the neighborhood across the street from here and we knew we loved it. It's a very walkable neighborhood and the apartments looked, you know, nice enough online. And we just thought, all right, we'll give it a try. And we rented the apartment sight unseen. We also bought a car on my parents. We found a car at a dealership and my parents went and looked at it and got it for us. So we had everything we needed ready and waiting on us. And we moved into our apartment. So we're like I said, we were at my parents in their RV for three days. And then we came and we were able to have our apartment. But now if you remember, we don't have any stuff and we don't have any stuff. We've not lived in America in over six years. So I had ordered a couch and a rug and a chair from Wayfair online. So that was waiting here for us when we got here. And the couch was supposed to convert to a bed. Um, I mean, and it definitely does. But I don't know who could possibly sleep on it. It's a lot smaller and the and the couch has like that ribbing. It was not comfortable. So we immediately got an air mattress and that is what we slept on in our little tiny empty apartment until we were slowly able to fill it with things. And now it is full of furniture from the thrift store and it is beautiful and cozy and works perfectly well for us. Um... But yeah, so we moved in and Terrell got a job interview at a local school teaching music at a middle school and he got offered the job in July. So we were here almost two months, still no real, you know, direction of life, but he got offered the job and he has started teaching and things have fallen into place really, really well. And we are absolutely obsessed with living here. It is so much fun to be here. It is crazy beautiful. I mean, I am freezing at all times. I mean, I am not prepared. I'm not cut out for this mountain weather coming from the desert. But we can. I can see mountains from my house. And we can go and hike and be outdoors. And this past weekend, we put a sleeping bag and pillows in the car and we drove the Blue Ridge Parkway and we just camped in our car. We just slept in our car at an overlook and just hung out, just us. Um, we're so we're able to socially distance but have access to so many beautiful outdoor places and we have made so many friends just from being here and just existing in our apartment complex. It is full of 
college students and, you know, people like us. And we have been able to make tons of friends just out walking our dog and going to get ice cream at the shop. There is an ice cream shop literally at the foot of our apartment. It is really dangerous. And oh my gosh, it's so delicious. And we just have everything we need here. And it is truly the life of our dreams. Like we can be outdoors and we can walk to anything that we need. And it's beautiful. And Terrell is, um, we'll say kind of sort of enjoying his job. He is teaching middle school, which is a big difference. And his students did come back the past two weeks. They had been virtual until now. So that's a lot of nerve wracking and a lot of oversight having to happen with middle school kids and a lot of trying to figure that out. And so we're not sure how long that's going to last. And I know that you feel the same and you totally understand that you don't know what's going on and what's going to happen and what's going to change for you next either. So we're just trying to focus on the things that we can right now, like making our house really cozy and spending time together and figuring out, you know, free, safe, outdoor, distanced things that we can do here in the mountains and working on fun projects and things. And that's why I'm really excited about my stories from here class that's happening in November. I'm excited to have, you know, a project going on and to be hanging out with this like awesome group of people. It is so much fun. I love teaching that class because I love the people who take it. They're really just fun, kind and generous people who are interested in photography and scrapbooking and storytelling, or maybe they don't know anything about that, but they're interested and they want to learn. And they're all like so generous with sharing their experience and the things that work best for them. And yeah, just focusing on that element of gratitude, such a big one, because like I said, it's about to get really cold here. I'm really worried about it. You know, the sun's going down earlier, you know, we can't get out as much. And so having a ritual, a routine where we're really focused on joy and beauty and really meditating on it and spending time, you know, creating something purposeful and sharing that with other people and being an encouragement to other people. That's what I'm just really, really looking forward to in that class. And I think that kind of sums up how I feel about being here in general. I mean, so we moved for the third time, no idea where we were going, what was going to happen. And it's worked out pretty well for us so far. And, you know, things change and things don't always work out the way we think they are. But right now we're just really grateful to be here and we're so close to our families and able to support them and see them more and you know be in the same time zone is such a big deal and we're just we're really grateful to be here and I just want to thank you guys so much for coming along on this journey and for listening to this long rambling tale but I hope it was interesting for you because I love hearing stories like this of people doing crazy things that I don't know anything about and I haven't experienced and what it was like and um, it wasn't easy it definitely was not easy but we're here. We figured it out and we're going to figure out the next thing too. And I want to encourage you that you've figured it out to this point and you're going to figure out the next thing too, whatever that is, however it comes to for all of us, we're going to figure it out and we are going to get there. And along the way, we're going to look for joy and beauty and we're going to be grateful and we're going to capture that and we're going to tell our stories. So I hope that you are finding a way to tell your story right now, whether that be through photography or writing or art, because your story matters and it's really important and people want to hear it. 
So please share your story, however you are sharing it. If you want to share it with me at, with stories from here, Ordinary Gratitude Edition, you can do that at lauren-likes.com slash gratitude. Remember, registration closes October 22nd. And I hope to see you there and I will see you back here next week with some more episodes where you are going to learn some awesome stuff from some, from some awesome people. Thank you so much, friends. Thank you so much for listening to How She Creates. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to know more about the show, please visit lauren-likes.com slash podcast and be sure to sign up for the newsletter to know when new episodes are out and to stay up to date with all of the crafty creative happenings around here. If you would take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes, that would be so helpful to let me know what you thought of the show and share with all your friends on Instagram by tagging me at Lauren Likes Blog and using the hashtag HowSheCreates. Until next week, I hope you get curious and go explore something. <laughs>